Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about predicting student progress. So today on the blog, Dana is writing about her lesson planning process. And as part of that, she talks about really why she's doing it and understanding student progress, making sure that everyone is on the right track. So I thought this rebroadcast of a video which was originally recorded on YouTube Live quite a while ago now, I thought this would be a great complement to that blog post. This is a video I recorded about predicting piano student progress and I give I think it's five different examples of students and talk you through where they're up to. Those examples are based on my real students, but I changed their names and some details just to protect their privacy. But it does give you some real examples from my studio so that you can see, hey, are my students normal? What should I be looking at when I assess student progress and all that good stuff? So I hope you enjoy listening in and do let us know if you have any questions. All right, so we're talking today about predicting piano student progress. And what I want to give you is five different examples that are based on, loosely, real students from my studio. Obviously, none of these are real students that I actually have. I'm going to be showing you stock images to just give us a frame of reference. And they're not exactly any particular student in my studio, but they are based on them, so they are realistic. They are not polished versions, like I haven't cherry-picked the best possible situation. I'm trying to give you a range. And I would love to hear from you about your struggles with predicting piano student progress, whether these seem realistic to you, whether this is how you see things, and you can resonate with these stories and see them in your own students in your studio. So my first student is Layla. This is little Layla for the purposes of this show. And Layla is now eight years old, but she's been studying since she was five. So she's been studying for four years, almost four years. Layla is a steady practicer with normal ups and downs. So reasonably steady, but like not perfect. And last year, during our various lockdowns, last year and a half, Layla has kind of struggled with practice. So those have definitely been dips and they've been more prolonged than any dips that she had before that. So we got four years of study, but some definite dips, some definite valleys in practice levels. 
and some peaks which are not extreme. They're just like standard practicing, let's say maybe 45 minutes to 60 minutes a week on average, something like that, right? So we're not talking about 30 minutes a day, five days a week here, but we are talking about steady, reasonable practice. Now, Layla is currently in Piano Safari 3, Unit 2, and she's also studying from a book called Dynamic Duos, which is a duet book from pianopronto.com. That gives you a frame of reference if you know Piano Safari. If you don't, just think of a level three of a method book that you know. So would you expect Layla to be up to there or be further ahead? I should say Piano Safari progresses a little bit further by level three, so we might be talking about level four, say, of Piano Adventures after four years. Or if you're used to exam systems, this would be like a grade one-ish level. Where would you expect Layla to be up to in the method book that you use? After four years with reasonably steady progress, but no huge amounts of progress, and some dips where there was really nothing happening at home. Layla is reading pretty well. She's still mixing up fifths and sixths a little bit because we're just at that beginning stage of Piano Safari level three. And she does find the technique very challenging, much more so than any other area, because Layla just has those naturally slender fingers. And so they collapse and they introduce tension to the rest of their body. So all the way through her four years, we've been working on that and we're still working on it. Even though it's getting better, when she plays legato, sometimes she still plays with a lot of tension. So we're continuing to work on that and to build up that finger strength. Layla, however, loves improv and her parents are really into that side of what we do here because her dad is a musician, a guitarist and an improviser, not a reader at all. So he loves that we do that alongside the reading. He thinks it's the best of both worlds and he definitely encourages that at home. So Layla is very happy to improvise in any key you give her. She's very happy to play the blues with you and all of that good stuff. She has completed the 60 second bronze and the minterval sil silver. So she's further ahead on intervals than on note names. But she's well on her way to completing the gold level of the interval challenge and the silver level of the note name challenge. And she's also working her way towards the scale challenge. She knows about 10 scales at, the, at this stage. So we've got a few left to go. And then we'll be working on really solidifying the full circle of fifths and achieving the scale apprentice level. So that is Layla. Let me know if you recognize Layla from your studio or if there were any surprises in there for you. Next up is Victrum. Victrum is a little bit older than Layla. Victrum is nine years old and he's only been studying for two and a half years. So a little bit older, but studying less long. Victrum started with really steady progress initially. However, this dipped off during the pandemic. Are you noticing a trend? Really didn't exist last year. There were a few weeks maybe where he did something, but in general, last year was a almost no practice year. However, this year, practice has really picked up again. Now that things are a little bit more normal from even the end of last year on, so like May on, he started to practice a lot more consistently. And now I'd say it's about 30 to 60 minutes per week. That's a wide range. But yeah, some weeks are still, I'm not sure that more than two days are happening. And some days it might be well over 60 minutes. 
in the week because he gets really enthusiastic about something. But it's feeling a lot more steady in terms of progress this year and that's great to see. Victrum, because of the low practice levels and a lot of issues with online lessons when we were doing those just in terms of the particular setup they had at home, Victrum moved much more slowly through Piano Safari level one and it took us a long time to get to level two. So he's just now hitting unit two of Piano Safari two, which means that it took almost two years, over 18 months anyway, to get through level one. That's not actually that unusual. Now, I would more tend to see that with younger students, say the five-year-olds who begin. It's quite usual for that to take a year and a half to get through Piano Safari level one. Bear in mind that we're not only doing that, we're doing lots of other things outside the method book. I'm just giving you that as a frame of reference. So for Victrum, I was worried about the transition to level two because level one really was slow, especially in the last unit. But because we solidified all those skills and we did take our time and we didn't rush it when he wasn't practicing, and because he now is practicing, we're flying through level two. So he's doing better than it sounds like he is based on that level after this long. Victrum is an excellent reader with the intervals we're using so far and takes on any new interval with real ease. I mean, it's no problem to him whatsoever. Wrote pieces are a little bit tougher, but they have come a long way in terms of his oral memory and him working on these pieces at home. He is reluctant to improvise, but this has gotten a lot better as well. I think he had a lot of ideas about getting things right that I'm gradually, gradually working away at. So I see that as a huge measure of our progress is that he's not as worried about playing things correct anymore. He is happy to jump in and improvise and dive into new things in general, much more so. So far, Victorum has learned four major scales because he's because of the issues with level one, we didn't maybe cover technique as much and I wasn't happy with the legato. He's just recently, in the last month and a half maybe, started to work on scales. And so we've gotten four done already because he loves patterns. So once we get into them, I think they're going to be absolutely so fun for him to work on. And he pretty much has most of the grade one theory concepts covered which means, for those of you familiar with my Thinking Theory series, that he would be pretty comfortable working through most of that. He hasn't done the full book yet, but he would be able to do a lot of it independently because he definitely has a mind for that, a maths-focused brain, and really picks up on stuff like that quite easily. So that is Victrum. Now we're moving on to Puppy. Hi, Puppy! So Poppy is 11 years old and she's been learning for six years. So Poppy started at age five. Poppy has good practice, really good practice. <laughs> now, nothing extreme. Most of my students, as most of your students, are busy, right? She has a lot of other things on. However, she has always been very self-motivated and makes time to practice regularly. It's a rare week when she hasn't gotten to everything that she intended to get to, and it shows in her progress. I'm not talking about extremes here. I would estimate maybe she does two hours a week, most weeks, maybe a little bit more. I don't think she would ever count her practice time, so she wouldn't be able to tell me, but she does practice pretty steadily, and I would gauge based on her progress about that much. That difference, though, between 
Poppy versus, say, Victrum, or even from our first student, Layla, who's practicing about half as much, and with some dips where Poppy has none. She has practiced pretty much consistently the entire way through those six years. The difference in progress is astounding, and we know that, but this is hard to drive home to parents. Do you think so too? It's hard to show this difference. Six years in, yes, a little bit longer in, than say our first student, but the difference in practice is the real difference here. So Poppy blows everyone away at pretty much every recital, if I'm honest. Poppy is studying right now for her grade five exam. Now, if you're not familiar with exam systems, but you are familiar with, say, great Jane McGrath levels, that's pretty steady with level five to six of Jane McGrath. Or if you're not familiar with either of those, we're talking about a solid intermediate level, verging on late intermediate. So Poppy's flying, but it's only through that consistent practice. That's the only reason, really, and she's doing that. Now, if she has a natural gift, to me, it's that she was motivated and happy to practice all the way through. This is not through pure parental support. This is partially through Poppy's own drive, because she loves doing well. She loves making progress at the piano. And after the initial stages, she has kept up the practice herself. She makes the time. And that's a rare 11-year-old who can do that. Poppy is excellent at reading. She has pretty good rhythm. That's been a bit more of a struggle, but it's gotten a lot better. She has great technique. And she's working, I'm working with her, on steadier practice. Skills. Not habits. Skills. Because Poppy's one issue, really, is that she flies ahead with stuff. She wants to play everything super fast. And she wants to do it yesterday. (laughs) So while she does practice, sometimes a lot of that practice will be wasted because she's gone so fast that there's poor fingering, there's not good technique, and it's not to the extreme, okay? If you're imagining one of your students who really frustrates you with this, no, she will listen to it, she will fix it. She overall has good practice habits. This is her one little foible that does get in the way of her going even faster, literally, with her pieces, (laughs) because the fingering isn't there. She's also a little bit less solid on scales, but she definitely knows all 12 major scales, and she does know the minor scales, but just not as consistently, is able to perform them. Next up, we have Derek. So we've got two examples to go. Let me know if you're enjoying these and any examples of your own students or outliers that you feel haven't progressed the way you were expecting. So Derek then is 12 years old. So very similar in age to Poppy that we just saw. But Derek has only been learning two and a half years. This is the difference between starting at age nine going on 10 versus starting at age five. It is worlds away in terms of where they end up at this really important age where they're going to transition from primary school to secondary school and there is a danger of them quitting. So Derek hasn't quit, which is wonderful. He is two and a half years in. He has had some decent weeks of practice, but generally steadily low levels. So we're talking like three to four days a week versus five to six, pretty consistently since he started. Generally no practice over breaks or anything like that. And one break isn't going to matter. One week isn't going to matter, but this all does add up. And then the last year, Derek has moved up to secondary school. So understandably, practice has been very little. And that's 
that's such a trend. I mean, it's very rare that there, I have a student who moves from primary to secondary and can keep their practice habits up. It's just tough. The homework increases, the school hours increase, the pressures increase, and they need a year to get to grips with it. So I very much take the approach that, hey, if you get a bit done, that's awesome, but let's focus on having fun in the lesson because I know I need to ride that wave. However, Derek hasn't necessarily put in the time before we got here. So Derek is near the end of Piano Safari 2, which isn't bad for two and a half years. Derek definitely has a lot more natural aptitude than he realizes. And that does make up for some of the the lack of progress, the, la the lack of practice rather, does help him to still be progressing reasonably well. He has a good grasp of concepts. He always gets things quite quickly. But my main focus with Derek actually is grit because he's easily dissuaded from things that seem even slightly hard. And that's made so much harder when there's less practice happening because everything does feel a little bit hard. Even if I structure it in a certain way to try and alleviate that, we're still going to have to address things in the lesson that he can't get ahead of at home, that he can't work on at home because he just doesn't have the time and doesn't have the mental bandwidth because of that transitional age. So this is the tough thing at the moment. And all of my measures of Derek's progress really at the moment are about grit, not so much about pushing forward in the method books. However, Derek does already know all, um, let me see, 10 major scales, knows about different chords and is doing very well in pretty much every area except that getting discouraged thing, which is worrying me because of the phase of life that he's in. Final example then is Ray. Ray is 14 years old now. She has been learning for seven years. So this is the longest student and the oldest in my example set. Ray has had up and down levels of practice. In the first few years, it was pretty consistent, not enormous, but pretty consistent, pretty steady um, with some off weeks. And then it started to dip a little bit, as I'm sure you're all familiar with, and you've had students who do that. It dipped down a little bit. And then... It dipped up again and then dipped down again. Last year was Ray's first year in secondary school. So this year is what we call second year, which is the second year of high school, uh, secondary school. My gosh, that's a lot of seconds. But anyway, Ray's transition year from that to that, from primary to secondary, which is from elementary to high school, was last year and there was no practice, almost none. And she decided to do an exam or we had already decided before the practice disappeared. So that's put in my mind that maybe we never do we never do exams in first year. I'm not sure if that's going to be in my new rule. But anyway, we did ride that wave and now Ray is practicing again and progressing very well. So although we have peaks and valleys, we have huge enthusiasm natural musicality and Ray is also a singer and she loves playing with chords and patterns and all that good stuff. She also has a great aptitude for theory just from having done it diligently really well. She always was happy to do written work and so that really has helped to solidify these skills. That means that she doesn't fall back so far when we have those practice dips. It's more about technique and, and actual coordination that we lack at that stage. My biggest concern for Ray actually at the moment is a little habit of pausing in frustration that is pretty common with teenagers, but I want to see if I can do something about this because it's really the biggest thing holding her back is that she'll try something, not get it, 
and have a moment of going, oh, and then try it again. And while that's fair enough to a certain degree, it does waste a lot of time. Has anybody noticed this? Just scowling at something every time you get it wrong. I'm not sure how I'm going to alleviate it, but I do want to work on it because it's wasting her practice time. And she just still doesn't have extreme amounts of practice time to spend. So that's right. That is all my examples of students. Hopefully it gave you some idea of whether your students are normal, whether what ways we can measure progress, what ways we can think about it, and what we can expect for students of certain ages and certain practice levels. Vibrant Music Teaching membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.